This is Small Talk with 101 ESPN's Michelle Smallman. Presented by Liquid Spirits Beverage Catering Company. Hey there, welcome into episode 49 of Small Talk. I'm your host as always, Michelle Smallman. And this is going to be a little bit different of an episode. It's going to be a celebration of the St. Louis Blues. Because the Blues are Stanley Cup champions. I honestly can't even believe I just said that. I actually had to wait a few weeks to give this monologue to do this specific podcast because, frankly, I still can't believe it happened. I can't believe the way it happened. And I've kind of been just wandering around in a fog trying to sort out my feelings, trying to sort out my emotions in the wake of probably the greatest sports moment of my lifetime. It truly has been something out of a dream. So there's two parts of this that we need to run through, that we need to digest. The St. Louis part and the Blues part. So let's start with the Blues. You've heard it said a million times. 52 years, 51 seasons, no cup, heartbreak, losing in the worst ways. The Blues were the cursed team you didn't hear about on SportsCenter because we didn't have a Bambino or a Billy Goat or a novelty item to attach to this curse. There was no name to it, so people didn't give it the credence it deserved. But believe me, it was just as bad, if not worse. The Blues were essentially Good Luck Chuck. You've probably heard of that. It's a totally terrible Dane Cook movie that you probably saw with your boyfriend in middle school or something that you don't want to admit that you saw. But we know that you saw it. Basically, if you dated Chuck, the next guy you would date ended up being your husband, your soulmate. He was the vessel to get you to the ultimate prize. And that was the Blues. How many great players skated through here and never won only to go on and win somewhere else? Brett Hull rings a bell. Pronger. Most recently, TJ Oshie. I could go on and on. The Blues had a murderous row of former coaches, the four most winning coaches in history. Al Arbor, Scotty Bowman, Joel Quinville, Ken Hitchcock. None of them could get it done in St. Louis. And then this season happened. Let's run through it a little bit. So Doug Armstrong, he goes out, he wins the offseason. He brings in pieces like David Perron, Tyler Bozak, most notably Ryan O'Reilly. But then the season starts and the team doesn't gel. Self-admittedly, they even say, we're not working hard enough. We don't know what the problem is. So what happens? They fire Mike Yo. They put in Craig Berube, a relative unknown here in St. Louis, as the interim coach. Everyone in town is screaming at the top of their lungs. The Blues need to go out. They need to hunt down Joel Quinville, give him a blank check. He's the guy that we need to get this done. Then... As the season keeps going on, the Blues are eventually in dead last place on January 3rd. I mean, on my radio show here in St. Louis, we're doing segments asking if the team should tank or, quote, lose for Hughes so they can rebuild around top prospect Jack Hughes. What happens then? They instill a rookie goalie in Jordan Bennington. Some of the players having to visit a random bar in Philadelphia. They adopt an 80s song as their anthem. And what happens next? It's crazy. An 11-game win streak. An identity. And a culture develops. Playoffs, a wild, wild, wild ride of playoffs. Honestly, the Stanley Cup playoffs with a rooting interest is a health hazard. I'm pretty sure I developed some ulcers and anxiety during this two-month stretch. Winnipeg, Dallas, San Jose, finally Boston, the city who has tormented St. Louis in various sports for so long. Patriots, Red Sox, and the Bruins. The last time the Blues were in the final, 1970. I wasn't alive then, and I even remember the Bobby Orr goal flying through the air. And finally, a championship. Finally, after all these years, the Blues hoist the cup. I still can't believe it happened. And there's so many unreal chapters to this story. If you pitched this to Hollywood, they would turn it down and say it's too unrealistic. I mean, I could literally go through every part of this, almost every player on this roster, and tell you why they shouldn't be here. 
Jordan Bennington, 25-year-old guy. He's fourth in the depth chart at the start of the season. He ends up being the flatliner and the rock this team has always searched for. Game seven, the Blues had zero shots on goal in 16 minutes, and Bennington had 12 saves. Absolute nails. Ryan O'Reilly, here's a guy who's cast out of Buffalo, said he lost his love for hockey. He comes to St. Louis. What does he do? He works so hard and so relentlessly that his teammates can't do anything but follow his lead. He instilled a culture, perhaps subconsciously, but he did. Lost his love for the game. How about this? Stanley Cup final, five goals, nine points. He scored in four consecutive games. He's now the Conn Smythe winner and a champion. Pat Maroon, native St. Louis, and he took less money to come home because he wanted to be near his son Anthony. When the Blues were losing this winter, a lot of people in town were wondering if Pat Maroon would get moved off this team before his bobblehead night. What does he do? He scores a double overtime goal versus another St. Louis and Ben Bishop in the Star Series to push the Blues into the Western Conference Finals. I could continue to go on. Alex Petrangelo, the redemption of a captain, a guy whose leadership was questioned. He had to follow the guy who meant so much to St. Louis and David Backus. What does he do? He has an unbelievable postseason, the dagger goal in Game 2. Jaden Schwartz tragically lost his sister. Zach Sanford lost his father during training camp. Ends up playing the team that he grew up loving in the Boston Bruins. Jay Bowmeister, 1,259 NHL games, and he finally gets the cup. We know the Carl Gunnarsson story. Layla, Charles Glenn, Bobby Plager. I could seriously go on and on and on. The improbability of it all, the obstacles, both individual and collectively, that this team overcame, it's really hard to put into words. And now on to the St. Louis part of this. All right, let's be transparent here. If you listen to this podcast, you know one thing for sure about me, and it's that I love St. Louis very much, probably too much. And it's weird. Over the past few years, I've become a pretty vocal champion for our town, and not intentionally. It just kind of happened. You know, growing up here, I know St. Louis is a great place to live, but it wasn't until I moved away that I really appreciated it and somehow started actively defending it. I guess it first started when I went away to college at Illinois, where the majority of my friends were from Chicago and kind of looked at St. Louis like a gross younger cousin that they didn't want to hang out with. But it really ramped up when I moved to Connecticut in adulthood. Maybe it's because the East Coast generally can't be bothered with the middle of the country. Maybe it's because during that time, most of the headlines were about Ferguson and racial divide and violence in my town. Maybe it's because a major professional sports franchise was trying to skeet out of town to satisfy their own greed. Whatever it was, I felt like I was constantly raging against these false narratives about my city, about the place that I love. But I realized I wasn't alone in this. Native St. Louisans all over the country defend St. Louis. We know who we are. We know what our town is, good and bad. We know our demons, but we also know our strengths. We're a loyal place. We're a friendly place. But above all, we are a sports town. When a native son of Missouri rips a team out of your town after the city desperately tried to save it and supported it through the worst five-year stretch in NFL history, I'm not going to lie. It hurts. It's tough. But to say this was a dying market and a place where a team outside of the Cardinals couldn't survive... That's beyond betrayal. It was a lie. It was a gross mischaracterization of a place that didn't deserve it. You want to leave to make yourself rich? Great. Fine. But don't take the thing that we do best and weaponize it against us. So for St. Louis's redemption story, it had to be this team, this franchise to set the record straight. The Blues are St. Louis. Of course, the Cardinals, they're the main fabric and the tapestry of our community. But the Cardinals have represented an almost unattainable standard for so long. Consistent winning, doing everything the right way. 
you know, obviously that's slipped a little bit in recent years, but it still remains. They're the selves that you strive to be. They're you when you're going to the gym, you're eating right, you're reading at night, you're not on your phone all the time. They're your peak selves, but the blues are an accurate reflection of us. Generally successful, oftentimes you fall short. Sometimes you do eat the cupcake when you don't need to. That's the blues, the team with the human element. They're the team that this town has supported win or lose for half a century. You, of course, see Bush Stadium on Sports Center packed in October. What you don't see are the droves of people at Enterprise Center for a January game to see a losing team. But trust me, they were there. The Blues winning is so personal for us. To have the, quote, second team in town sell out not only home games, but watch parties at Enterprise Center. To have almost 30,000 people watching Game 7 at Bush Stadium in the rain. To have hundreds of thousands of people attend the parade for, frankly, a sport that often gets relegated to the C-block of the sports cast. That's national redemption for us. We are a sports town. It's our identity. It's who we are. We don't have the beach. We don't have the mountains. In St. Louis, we grow up in stadiums. We grow up in arenas. So to win it here, it just means more. I promise you, it just means more. So finally, the parade. Walking that parade route, it will forever be one of the peak moments of my life. We have forever wondered what a blues parade down Market Street would look like. It was almost as elusive as the cup, the parade. And it was better than I could have ever dreamed. I've seen Cardinals parades. They're great. You have players riding down the street, giving you the pageant wave. You know, they represent the royalty that they are. These blues players, what we saw from them, absolute pandemonium, animalistic celebrations. It was a frat party in the best possible way. I saw Vladimir Tarasenko hugging a kid with special needs, signing his jersey, making the kid's day. Alex Petrangelo, seeing people in wheelchairs, taking them out of the crowd, pushing them up Market Street. I saw Pat Maroon seeing elderly people in the crowd, making sure to bring the cup to them, letting them touch it, because he said they've wanted this and waited for this longer than I have. You had players jumping in the crowd. Jordan Bennington, the flatliner, who shows zero emotion, is playing instruments with the Oakville band, scooting around on a mini scooter, and booze. Lots and lots and lots of booze. Probably way too much booze, but whatever. It was an awesome time. It was the team and the fans removing barriers and celebrating one another. They showed mutual respect, mutual appreciation. It was the best party I've ever been to. It was a perfect day. This team is magic. That cup is magic. What happened to my city It's magic. These players, this coaching staff, this front office, Tom Stillman, they're legends. Absolute legends. So thank you. Thank you, Blues, for the gift you gave us. Thank you for the joy, the excitement, the belief. You reinstilled the fan inside of me. You helped suture the wounds of a franchise lost and torment experienced along the way. You changed the narrative. You know, I don't know what's going to happen moving forward, but I know that St. Louis is a city that's ready to ascend. There's an amazing restaurant scene. It's an affordable place to live. There's a huge tech sector. There's a startup boom happening in town. Growth. It's all happening. But as I reflect on the Stanley Cup run and the celebration that we had, I think it's a reminder to us all that when we work together, when we unify, look at what we're capable of. So thank you to the St. Louis Blues for turning the mirror around and reminding us what we are. St. Louis is a special place. It really is. To paraphrase Ryan O'Reilly, we love our sports. We're nice. And boy, can we drink. Come see us sometime. There's one critical piece to a successful party, and that's a good bar. You need a good selection of liquor, mixers, and ice-cold beer, but planning how much of what can often leave you with too much of one thing and not enough of another. Not a good look. 
That's why we here at Small Talk trust Liquid Spirits. They're St. Louis's premier beverage catering service. They'll literally bring everything to you, their own bar, bartenders, whatever you need. You're going to have a full-service bar right at your home or venue. They also offer drop-off service if you're planning something a little more casual. Whatever you're planning, Liquid Spirits will keep the party going. From watch parties to weddings, check out Liquid Spirits. Follow them on Facebook at Liquid Spirits STL. Mention Small Talk when booking select packages and get your fifth hour for free. That was very self-serving, and you probably are bored. But thank you for letting me get that out of my system. It's going to take a fun turn next, I promise you. We are going to visit with my guest this week, Ben Friedman, a.k.a. Young Page Views, a.k.a. YP from Barstool. If you're on social media at all during this Blues run, you know who he is. You know who his chinchilla Boris is. We're going to talk to him about his journey coming up next. The new home of the Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues, is 101 ESPN. Well, if you are a Blues fan or a social media purveyor in St. Louis, Missouri, there is no doubt that during this unbelievable Blues run, you have seen my next guest. We are really, really pumped to welcome Ben Friedman, a.k.a. Young Page Views, a.k.a. Page Views, a.k.a. YP to the podcast. I mean, Ben, this is kind of like a rapper scenario. I don't know if I need to call you. It's like Jay-Z. Do I call you Jay? Do I call you Hope? Do I call you, you know, Sean Carter? How do you want people to address you now? I don't that I've never had someone say that to me, so that I guess that's the biggest compliment I've ever gotten. This is like a rapper scenario. But um <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess you could just call me Ben or YP is what most people call me nowadays. I would I mean it's it's weird for me too because the whole name to begin with was like, you know, Dave Portnoy runs Barstool and his name was Davey Pages and I was trying to get a job here, so I made a music video saying like, Oh, I'm young page views, like trying to just get his attention and everything. I wasn't like trying to pick my name i never thought anyone would call me that but then everyone just started saying that so it was like i didn't really plan it so i get that it's kind of a weird name but i mean yeah you could yp is a little easier you know it's a little simpler i love that it was so organic that it happened that way all the best names do yeah i mean it's it's like hard to explain when people don't know what you know like they're like what does that mean so it's a little awkward sometimes but it's okay and i <laughs> It got me to the point where you said this is like a rapper scenario, so I think I'm already winning, you know? You definitely are. We're going to circle back to the parade later, but I was walking the parade route on Saturday. Or excuse, What day was that? They all run together. I don't even know what day it is anymore. I'm so delirious after this blues run. It was Saturday, yeah. yeah. But I see you on the float. We're going to talk about it. But people are like, YP, Patriots calling you out. And I go, that's got to be kind of weird for him to be known so by, by a nickname or, you know, like a moniker. So I think it's pretty cool. Okay, so you made a music video to get your start at Borsh. Take me through that journey. How did you go from a guy trying to get Dave Portnoy's attention to YP, who's basically a celebrity fan experiencing this Blues postseason? Oh, man. I mean, it's it's a long story. Basically, like, I was living in St. Louis in my parents' basement, kind of not doing too much, just, like, doing drone videos. And I was working on, like, some production of, like, you know, film sets, you know, basically getting people coffee, doing whatever kind of, like, Nothing very glamorous at all, and I was a huge Barcelona sports fan. So I read the site every day, you know, like looked at all their stuff on social media, and I was like, man, like, you know, certain pressures, people being like, hey, you you got to figure this out. You know, I was like 23, 24 years old. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to do something soon here. And I was like, you know, I'd had some other jobs in the first couple of years after college that I was very unenthused with. 
and like I was just sitting there in my parents' basement. I was like, man, if if I could have any job, like what would it be? You know, like I was like, what if I'm gonna have to apply to them anyways? I might as well take a few random shots that if they work would be a miracle. So I came up with the idea to do Barcelona Outdoors because they could they weren't doing that at the time. You know, like they have football, hockey, baseball, all this stuff covered. But to me, I was like the same people who like all that stuff also love, you know, fishing, hunting, animals, things like that, and no one was doing it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try to do that for them. So I went in with, like, uh, first I made the music video to kind of, like, you know, get his attention or whatever, and that landed me an interview. And then after that, I went in to the interview with a wallaby because I was like, I want to show them, like, okay, I'm, like, going to be an outdoors guy, and I want to do something crazy that would, you know, make it so that they couldn't not hire me, right? Because this was like my my one shot. If I didn't have, you know, if this didn't work, I would have been completely screwed. So I was like, man, I got to do this. So then I luckily got the job there from that. And then um, I started doing like, you know, because I I didn't have like a fishing show that was already like done. I was doing something called Stool Scenes, which was like a behind the scenes kind of like uh, we'd basically film like a reality show every week. And I, I would like be a host of it. Uh, kind of the provocateur of like, you know, walking around making, you know, trying to stir stuff up. And at the beginning I was editing it and filming it and putting it out and every single thing, you know, like making social clips, everything. So it was like very unglamorous, you know, like, but it gave me a start with Barcelona where I could kind of be a character and kind of like, you know, try to build my brand or audience of like that, that people may know who I am. So that was like the first kind of step when I got here. And during the whole time I was like, Filming fishing stuff, you know, shark stuff, alligators, everything, just trying to, like, get that going, right? Now, the other thing, too, is, like, blogging and everything. Like, some people say you're, like, you know, 30 and have been writing for a website for 10 years or something. Well, you have a way better chance of getting hired to do just that team or that thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, something where the Dave or, you know, the bosses here might be like, okay, we know this guy can do this. Well, Obviously, from St. Louis my entire life, lived there my entire life, and, like, know it, like, the back of my hand. But at the beginning of this thing, it wasn't like I was, like, it's not like they told me, okay, like, blog about St. Louis or do this or that. So fast forward about a year and however much time, I'm trying to think, I was doing stool scenes and I was doing outdoors, filming and doing social clips. And as I was building up the Barcelona Outdoors Instagram, it's at like 630,000 now. So it's like it got pretty big. And it was like, okay, this could be something that you could actually do, right? Mm-hmm. And I, all I want to do is like outdoor stuff. Like, you know, that's like my favorite thing, animals, sharks, everything. So as it started building up, uh, I was on a radio show, just from little things that I was slowly adding to my resume. Well, all of a sudden, I was like, kind of like doing less of stool scenes, which was like a miracle for me because I hated doing it. Like it was not what I wanted to do. Like I was grateful for the opportunity, but not one second did I want to be, you know, filming, editing, making a reality show. Like that's just not, that wasn't like my thing, you know, but I had to do it because I wanted to be here. Like working for Barstool was worth like any amount of like, you know, doing stuff you don't want to do. So I was like, okay. So finally on my birthday of this year, or actually last summer, I think, uh, when my friend Pat Maroon signed with the Blues, I was blogging about that, and I had been doing a few little things here and there, but I was like, I'm going to make this my thing to just blog every single Blues thing, season previews, you know, like recaps, all this stuff, like, you know, game recaps, everything like that. Because that's like a passion of mine. You know, I've grown up my entire life playing hockey, like, obviously, in St. Louis, 
we haven't had a ton to cheer about before this year as far as like Stanley Cups, but everyone loved, like, you know, it's, it's been something that since I was a little kid, the Blues, it wasn't even like a time where I, I don't even like, like, I don't even remember a time where it wasn't just like a thing in my life. You know what I mean? It's sure. just been the entire time. So it's like, it's almost second nature. Like my parents' first date was at a Blues game in like whatever, 80-something. So it's like, oh wow, it's like it's just built into me. So I was like, man, this is easy. Like, I'm going to add this to my repertoire of things that I'm going to do for Barca. I'm going to be a Blues guy. Like, you know, which is huge because like, it's not like I come from a sports writing background or something where it's like, oh, like I'm going to be doing the AP Newswire or something. Like, no, like I had to kind of just figure it out on the spot. And then with that comes like, you know, my friend Pat was signed with them and I especially was like, man, this is so special. I'm getting to cover it. My boys on the team, all this stuff. So I'm like, okay, like, this is awesome. Like, I, I just want to do blue stuff. I want to do hockey stuff. Okay, cool. Like, you know, I'm so at this point I'm moving from just filming, editing this thing that I kind of don't like to, okay, now I'm doing more outdoor stuff, doing more blues. So as the season goes on, you know, obviously at first it was like kind of disheartening. I'm like, man, like, you know, it's November, December, they're like terrible. And I was like, damn, like this would help me a lot if they were good. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you're like, it's, it's hard to blog when they're last place in the league. Cause it's just like, you don't want to be negative. Cause like, in my opinion, there's no point like the blues fans and I, it's crazy. I'm actually going to have to go back and find out the interview I did because I mean, I remember saying it with Tim McKernan like three or like maybe two months ago. I was like, we've tried being negative for so long. Why don't we just try to be positive one time? Like obviously it worked as a miracle, but so anyway, this year, my birthday, I put out a trailer for Barca outdoors and officially like the next Monday, my boss was like, all right, someone else is going to do stool scenes. Like, seems like you don't really like you're more focused on other stuff and it was like kind of the biggest miracle of all time i was like oh my god like it, it was like when batman you know in batman when they jump out of that cave when he's like he's climbing up and like he finally gets out it's like a it's a well i don't know i like jumped out and i finally was like oh my god i think i'm getting out of this like now i can do what i want so like i was i was supposed to start blogging more everything our ceo came by one day he's like why don't you blog more all the stuff i'm like awesome so at this point, I started blogging every single thing, you know, and I've been blogging Blues games, especially throughout the whole streak, everything, you know, making it kind of my thing. And as the playoffs started, I was like, okay, like, you know, the outdoor stuff was getting closer and closer and like this was going on. I'm like, all right, so now I'm just doing Blues and fishing, which is like, I'm like, holy crap, like, what is happening? This is like, you know what I it's mean? It's a dream, you're like right? Waiting for someone, yeah, you're waiting for someone to be like, wait a second, you got to go like, you know, crunch some numbers and do something miserable because it's like, this is too good to be true. So as the playoffs started, I was like, okay, you know, playoffs, like, you got to turn it up 10,000%. So not only was I was blogging every morning, I was blogging every, you know, like post game, in between games, all the stories, like I was trying to rile it up with Winnipeg fans, everything. So when the first game came, I was like, you know, going into the third period, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do a live stream. That's one thing we do here is like, okay, like, you know, film your reactions. Like it seems, it seems like uh, I'm trying to think like vain or whatever the word is, but like they end up doing well online. Like it's, mm -hmm. if you can get over the like awkwardness of like filming yourself, it's like so weird. But at the same time, people watch it after, like, you know, when they win or lose like OT, it's like, you want to be like, it's easy to connect with someone like, Oh, that was my reaction too. So it's like, okay. So I filmed the third period. They were down one, nothing going into it. And they came back and won. That was when Pat passed out to Bozak, and I was like, oh, my God, it went crazy. And I was just with 
Boris was like near me. He his cage is like two feet away from the couch. And I just like for some reason I was like, Oh Boris like just like messing around. I was like, dude, like like Boris is fired up and then I just like grabbed him and I started dancing like and it was the most tame, like stupid thing. It was like twenty seconds. And then after that I was like, Oh, I should tweet it too, just because, you know, not as many people watch the live streams as tweet. And then it got like a pretty good response. So then when they won game two, I was like, oh, I'm going to do it again. Like, maybe people will think it's funny again. If, if no one had liked the second one, I probably would have just stopped. You know what I mean? It's sure. like it was a pre-planned thing. So then the second one got more traction, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, I think that's the one. I think that was the first one because I know Molly Bozak tweeted me at that one and was like, oh, when they win Sunday, like, leave him in the cage or some sort of thing. Because that, that would have been to go up 3 nothing. And I remember being like, if they win Sunday, like, oh, my God. And then, of course, you remember – They lost the next two at home. So all of a sudden it became kind of like a thing where then next, the next game they won the miraculous Jay Schwartz out of the air one in game five. And that was a crazy one. So all of a sudden it just started building into a thing. And it was like, now I had something concrete where it wasn't just like, uh, it wasn't just blogging it. I could like, I was able to put my stamp on it. And obviously as the playoffs went on, like, I mean, I don't know if I'm talking too long on this question, but it's like, as the playoffs went on, it's like, okay, so they won. And every single time they won, it was like a reprieve for me. It was like, oh, my God, I get to do two more weeks of content, like get to, like, you know, keep building this. And as it was going, you know, we Barcelona never had a St. Louis shirt or anything before this, like, probably I think the first one was a Big Daddy Vladdy shirt in, like, February. And they had never had one before. So I was, like, so proud. I'm like, oh, my God, if this goes on another two weeks, like, I can't imagine – then it's the Dallas series, okay, they're doing good in that, and then it's, like, kind of dicey, everything. And when Pat scored that game seven, you know, double OT, I was like, oh, my God, like, this is crazy. You know, it was, like, one of those things where I was like, oh, man, like, what is happening? This could really be something, right? And that was when, like, you know, Boris was kind of – people started thinking it was funny, and, like, each one of those tweets was getting, like, you know, one to 3,000 likes and, like, a 200,000 views, and I was like, oh, my – like, I mean, it was like magic. Like, I felt like it was like the machine was broken. You're like, what is happening? You know, like, I've always wondered what it's like to have like a viral thing. And like, it really just makes no sense. You just like look on your thing. You're like, why is there so many? It was like magic. Literally, I just was seeing it. I was like, oh, my God. Like, I just grab like I'm just dancing in a spot with a chinchilla and a million (laughs) people are like, so that started to become like super surreal. And honestly, looking back. Game seven and everything, you know, with that Dallas thing was extremely, like, stressful. And, like, like in the time, I was like, oh, my God, I'm dying. But, like, it could not have worked out better in the sense that we had, like, I think three or 4,000 live viewers watching my overtime stream. And, like, so then when that, like, when they won, it just became even bigger because everyone who was watching the stream for an hour, like, went and retweeted everything. And that one got like eight thousand. Like, like all of a sudden, those started getting three, four, five hundred thousand views. I was like, oh my god! Like, it, it was just like magic. You feel like like a wizard that all of a sudden your wand does something, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this because it's almost too much power. You're like, oh my god, I can't believe this. So then the whole like Boris, you know, let Boris dance thing, it started catching on. And then like, not only was I not like shy about it, I was like, oh my god, this is cool. People react. You know, it's. It's one thing to make content and just be bashing people over the heads with it. When they like like it and want it, it's like the craziest feeling in the world. You just want to do more. So, I mean, the entire thing just kind of grew into a mind of its own. And obviously, like, 
if Jamie Ben, you know, completes that wraparound one inch to the right and like they lose, like I'm not sitting here right now. It's like everything would have been different, but you just got to kind of like, I, I was just thinking, I'm like, I can't fully control it, but if I could ride the wave and do as much as I can, you know, like that's, that's all you can ask. And like, obviously then the San Jose stuff, like it, that was dicey too. And then all of a sudden they come back and win that series. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, you know, I knew I had to do something like extra, extra special because a, I didn't know if this would ever happen again or happen ever. You know, like I didn't know if they're going to get sweat. You know, it's like tough to know at the time. It's like you're hoping that it never ends. So, and I've been saying the whole playoffs whenever I'd see people ever, you know, like at the games everywhere and like, it'd be like, Oh, like where's Boris? I'm like, Oh, he's coming for the Stanley cup final. Like, Oh, if they make it, he'll be here. Like they make it. So all of a sudden, you know, cause I knew that would be a good problem to have. I was like, I'll figure it out. And, you know, the crazy thing, too, about that is, like, you know, you go out in St. Louis, people are, like, Barstool fans. They may come up to you, whatever. Like, after, like, all these videos and stuff, it was, like, the craziest thing I've ever experienced in my entire life. You go to Wheelhouse, you go to, like, you know, Ballpark Village, these places, and every person or, like, the game, you're walking around, every single person knows you from the video, and you're like, what is happening? Like, and I'm sitting there in my underwear. Sometimes I watch those games naked and then just, like, put on, like, the shorts, and it's like – all of a sudden you're walking around in real life and it's like, everyone's like, where's your chinchilla? Like, and I'm, I'm like, you know, Boris has been sitting in his cage for a year and a half, like just sitting there. I just feed him and like hang out with him. It's like, it felt like the craziest circumstance where you're like, what is going on right now? Like, how is this happening? And like, at that point I was like, all right, I got to do something epic. So I drove him down, you know, he can't fly really. Cause it's like super hard to get a chinchilla on an airplane because they say, it's only dogs and cats, you know, like they don't want rodents. And I was like, oh, this man, is all just I, I so got to get him there. So before, it was like Memorial Day weekend. I just drove him down to St. Louis, and it was like, okay, like it's going to take a while, whatever. Set him up with like a sweet cage and everything, you know, kind of brought all his food and his dust bath and everything. And I was like, all right, game three, like I got to get him. You know what I mean? I was like, I got to get him there or whatever. So – and that, I think, it even turned it up even more when people saw him in there. He was at game three, but they just got stomped. And, like, yep. I didn't want to bring him out because I was like, you know, like, everyone was saying he's good luck and magic. And I'm like, I'm not going to bring him out when they lose. People will be like, you know, fuck the thing. But it was like, next thing you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring him to game four, whatever. Like, and, of course, they won that one, luckily. Because if they lost that, it's like, I probably would have never brought him again. It's like, Wow. So I got him in the building, like a, a doctor wrote me an emotional support animal thing, which allowed him like access. And I just walked him through the front door. Like everyone thought it was some sort of shady thing going on as far as like in my pants or some in my jacket. It was like, no, I literally had his carrier. Like, first of all, anyone who's ever owned a chinchilla knows like you can't put them in your jet. Like they'll get out in two seconds. They're like <laughs> the biggest escape artists of all time. That's fantasy land, right? So I just brought him in in his carrier and I have some friends in in the building that I don't want to like, I don't know. I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but they had places for me to put him. You know, it was yeah. like, like hiding spots where like offices and places where it's like, okay, it's silent. It's quiet. It's cool. Cause like at the end of the day, he's like my son. I'm not going to bring him in the stands and have him get screamed at, you know, like I'm never going to do that. So then at the end of game four, Luckily, you know, Shen hits an empty net with like a minute 30, right? And we were filming for Barcelona with my boss the night that he unfortunately got towel flicked. Oh, and yes, yes. 
you know, felt felt horrible about that. But uh, anyways, so T's and peace, thoughts and prayers to that. Yes. Yeah, thoughts and prayers, big time. I think he's recovering well though. Good. But um, glad to hear it. So as soon as they hit the empty net, I was like, oh my god, I'm like. This is like I have to go get him, and I didn't know if he'd let me go. You know, it's like we're filming stuff for Barcelona. Like if something happened and I wasn't there, it looked bad. I sprinted down because we were in like three eighteen or something. Sprinted down the stairs, like jumping down him. Go down, get to like the office where he was, and I just grabbed him. And I was like, all right, like you know, I kept him close to me, and I was like, I, you know, to in in my thing, I'm like, all right, I'll just go dance around for thirty seconds with the game in the background. You know, maybe that will be because it gets tough to know. Like, like in the other ones, I started doing it like a strip tease, like joking around, just to be like, you know, make people be like, "Wow, this is outrageous!" Like, you know, you're trying to make stuff that people will comment or retweet or like, you know, have a reaction to. Like, if it's boring, that's the only thing you can't do. So I was like, I don't know, I have a chinchilla in the rink. Like, do I still need to take my shirt off? Like, I, I was like zero percent planned. It was like, oh, uh, just like dance around. And then I saw Brett Hall above me, like, randomly. I was like, oh, shit, that's Brett Hall. Like, all right, I'll just go dance in front of him. Like, it'll be funny. Like, oh, there's Boris and there's Brett. And then, like, he looked down, and I think his words were like, what the fuck is that? And I was like, <laughs> Probably. and I, I looked at him, and first of all, I'm like, man, what is going on right now? You know, I'm like, what is going on? And I just hand it to him. Obviously, he, like, you know, is looking at it and kind of, like, Almost tries to eat it. I don't know what was going on. He was he, like, petting it on it. his face. Yeah, he was like kissing it, petting it. And I was like, I just knew in my head at that moment, I'm like, A, I'm like, please don't drop him, Brett Hole, because I'll never get him back. And like, no one's going to be mad at Brett Hole. He's like, legend, you know? Yeah. So it was like, I knew I'm like, oh man, if he drops him, everyone's going to hate me, be like, why'd you take him in? Like, you're torturing, you know, because then he's going to get away. It's a bad scene. So I kind of had a grip on his tail, whatever. And then like, it was fine. And like, I knew in the moment, I was like, I don't know what the reaction to this would be, but like, it was pretty, like, I knew it was like, oh, that was good. Like, something crazy just happened. But you never know. And I tweeted the videos. It was so funny because, like, my dad's friend filmed that. I didn't even have, like, a film. Like, I just handed it to my dad's friend that I saw. And I was like, hey, can you just point this at me for, like, a minute? And next thing you know, like, you know, I, I went down to the bottom of the section and just was, like, trying to tweet it. Because, you know, the, the Wi-Fi and Enterprise, like, Sometimes it works great, but when there's a ton of people or after a game, I'm like, you know, it's like a two-minute video. I'm like, oh, my man, I really got to get this up because the sooner you get it up after the game, everyone's fired up. They're looking for it, you know, all that type of thing. So I just tweeted. I was like, you know, hit the dance. I was like featuring Brett Hole, And I, I had no idea. Like, I didn't know if people were going to care, this or that. And the second I did it, like, it uploaded quickly, which is like a miracle because sometimes it takes 20 minutes. Like, that may not have worked any other time. It uploaded, like, pretty quickly. I looked at it. I'm like, oh, it's up. Cool. Because I just put it in my pocket to, while I was talking to people. And I was like, I looked back, and it had so many reactions, likes, retweets, views. It was like, it got a million views in, like, 24 hours, which, like, I don't think I've ever put something out in my entire life that's done that for any platform. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, and, this and, is crazy. And not only did it get a million views from you, then it's on all the local news platforms here. I think it was on CNN, right? I mean, it literally went viral. You talk about a viral moment. Brett Hull taking Boris and putting Boris by his face as you stand there laughing was the viral moment. And it's crazy because it's like after the game, too, like uh, I brought him. So so after that happened, this something I forgot. NBC was interviewing like Pareko or something. And 
I was like, I didn't even think about the, like, I didn't know what was going to happen with that yet. I like, it was probably still uploading in my pocket. And like, I go to put Boris in the back of the NBC shot. I'm like, Oh, it'd be funny. You know, this was just kind of coming. He was there game three, but no one really knew. And I was like, Oh, how funny would it be? Cause like, you know, that's kind of Barstool. We're, we're not like the traditional media. It's kind of like ragtag. Like we're never going to get like the access of like, Oh yeah, come put him on NBC. So it was like, oh, I'll just put him in the back of the shot. Like, that maybe that'd be funny if he's on national TV. And the cool thing about Barcel too, is, like, Barcel fans would be, like, screenshotting that or, like, you know, watching it on TV and sending it, and, like, that would have been, like, a thing, too. So I was like, all right, this will be funny. I'll put him in the back. He'll dance on national television. Like, you know, that would be the story. So I go to put him in the back, and the security guards, they were so mad. And, like, I'm not, like, a bad person where, like, I'm not – like, you know kids that you knew growing up that, like, didn't care about vandalism, whatever, they would just do bad stuff? Like, yeah. I, I, like, as soon as they started yelling at me, I was like, oh, I know this is, like, good content, but, like, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? I was like, fuck, like, it's just, like, it was killing me. So as it started walking up, I didn't do it. I just didn't have the heart to, like, look at these guys in the face and just ignore them. So they, but they were still mad. They're like, you got to get out of here. Like, that's a live animal. How'd you get this? Whatever. They were, like, kicking me out, four guys, and they were very mad. They're like, they thought I was making a mockery, you know, whatever. And I was like, it's really just a fun thing. It's were not, like, like, a bad thing. check the note from my doctor for my no, emotional I support animal? Have, <laughs> I didn't have his case with me at that time. I, it was just in my hand. Oh, no. So I was like, oh, man. So luckily, Pat's fiance, Francesca, was right near where they are kicking me out. She was like, where, what's going on? And I was like, man, they're pissed, like, whatever. And she was like, hold on. Like, she's like, if, if if you know Fran or anyone that knows her, she's like the most fiery, like, does whatever she wants type of thing where she's not going to, like, let anyone tell her something. And she was like, oh, no, he's coming with me. Like, you know, that's Boris. Like, all this stuff completely saved me. Like, as I was getting kicked out, and she was like, she was like, Ben, just go downstairs. Like, go through the elevator and, like, just don't look back. I went with uh, the little rig, Anthony. We just started walking downstairs. She's like, I will go get his carrier. Like, just the nicest, like, saved me so much like mm-hmm. in a time where i had nothing no other answer i would have been out on the street with boris like in my hand just walking around so fran hooks it up i'm like oh my god like and we go downstairs and like after they're trying to kick me out every single like player their wife like john ham's like walking up like oh sweet like petting most of <laughs> and like that wasn't even on camera that was just like but it was funny to me it's like how every person loved him and was so whatever but, like, the security's like, you're, like, a piece of shit. You got to get out of here. And I'm like, it was just very, like, just a crazy time, you know? And I didn't know anything about the Brett Hall stuff, anything at that point. So next thing you know, I'm like, afterwards, you know, looking at my phone, everything, I see it going crazier, crazier. And we were flying to Boston for game five, I believe, because, like, we followed the series. Barcel did, which I'm grateful for. Like, got to go to every single – Stanley Cup final game in the year my favorite team won the cup like it's surreal and uh so we were at the airport of course our freaking flight was at 7 a.m or like 6 50 or something so I was there like 4 30 I left my house and I walk into the airport like still you know disoriented it's like 4 a.m didn't really sleep and someone sitting in front of me was like hey man like you're on t- you're on that tv right now like but and I look back it's like CNN and like the screen must have changed or something. I was like, what are you talking about, man? Like, like what? Like, I didn't understand what he was, you know what I mean? I was like, what do you mean? I'm on? Like, I thought it was like some stupid thing or like, I didn't under, even understand. So then like I, we land in Boston. I'm like sitting there and like, 
all of a sudden I start seeing people DMing me videos of CNN, like, you know, all these different things. And I'm like, what the hell? And I watch one of them. It's a fucking British dude talking about like, oh, I hope Boris is at the next game or something. I was like, <laughs> what the, like, I cannot even tell you how much I just couldn't comprehend what was going on. It's like, anyone who's had something like that probably would say the same thing where it's like, it's just fake. Like you're just sitting there. You're like, this is not real. Like, right. like I, I see CNN. It looks like a Photoshop where they do like the, you know, like a green screen or something like that's what it looked like to me. I was like, what do you mean Boris is on CNN? And that was crazy. And from that moment on, it kind of just took an even new level. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was well, just the craziest thing. One of the things that I think is so funny about this, you talk about you gaining notoriety and being recognized around St. Louis. I think part of that is because you wore the same uniform, the same outfit in the dances at the game. So it was kind of like a Where's Waldo thing where people could spot you. So you're, you're wearing the Let Boris Dance shirt. You've got the same shorts. You've got this blues jacket and the same hat. So I want to talk to you about that. Did you have to have a specific laundry schedule? Because, you know, these games are every no, couple of days. No laundry. Superstitious. You don't want to wash it because you're afraid. It's going to be bad juju. Like, take me through that. First of all, I had a different blues jacket that was lucky. It's, it's the red and blue. It's like, you know, the 90s jerseys that are, like, slanted? The Gretzky like the jersey? Slant. Yes, yes. Like, that was the first jacket I wore that every game day. I was like, in the Winnipeg game, I was wearing it on the couch. And they were losing, and right before the third, I honestly, like, that's why I'm so grateful for everything was because it just wasn't on purpose. It feels like a gift, like a miracle. Honestly, I just switched up and put that Apex, like, you know, like white and blue jacket on, and I had these Bud Light shorts that were sitting there. Like, swear to you, God is my witness. Like, none of this was anything but just lucky. Like, I promise you. I They were sitting there, and, like, it was Bud Light, and I was like, oh, that's St. Louis. Like, you know, like. They they gave us those from an ad deal like two years ago when we had the Barstool like Bud Lighthouse at the Super Bowl, and they were sitting in my apartment like who knows if they had been in the wash I would have had different shorts on this whole time. I picked them up and I put them on on the couch for the live stream because you know I was like not going to be naked on live stream. So that was just what was sitting there at that moment. God is my witness, like swear to you. And I picked it up and as soon as they won that, I was like, oh man, like this is luck. You know, like I'm super superstitious in the sense that like like before my games back in the day i would do the same exact stuff every single time down to like the dumbest things like what shin guard you put on what you know tape i used to put like a piece of my hair in the tape before every single time i tape my set. like the dumbest things I, I don't know why i'm sure like some sort of like you know psychologist could tell you why but that jacket and those pants that was just what i wore and i wore the same socks every single time so and as it went on, when I went to the first game, uh, the first game I went to was Winnipeg game six. It was like a Saturday, I believe. And, you know, I was like, Dad, like, I'm going to come home whenever, like, you know, because he, he goes to all the games. I was like, I want to go with you. So I was like, man, you want to look cool at a Blues game, you know, where, like, everyone at the Blues game is trying to wear their, like, you know, cool clothes and, like, nice pants and whatever. And, oh, yeah, like, flex a little bit. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's like a social event at the same time. But I was like, man, like, I'm not just going to, you know what I mean? I was like, if I've been lucky and then like switch it up, like I do believe in that. It's like, it's so dumb. I know people don't think so, but like, I mean, I do believe And like, to me, I was like, man, I got to wear. And I also never wore underwear under the swim trunks. Any single game I went to any single time you saw me and I never had underwear on. Cause like, 
the first time I did it, I didn't, so I just, like, didn't. And I was, like, the whole thing to me is, like, the hockey gods. Like, truth be told, I haven't even said this on any, like, podcast, but, like, I went to, like, get food or something during game three, I think, of Winnipeg. I think it was tied. Something at the beginning of the second or something, and they started scoring, and I was like, oh, my God, it's real. Like, I, like, stopped, like, you know what I mean? Like, I was, like, picking up Chinese or some sort of thing in between periods and got back, like, two minutes in or whatever, and they were losing, and I was like, dude, you are so dumb, and I never, ever did it ever again after that. The entire playoffs, I kept the exact same stuff, exact same thing, and, like, so when the game started going on, I'm like, this is going to be awkward and, like, weird having swim trunks and, like, a jacket. But, like, I just knew. I was like, yeah. Like, and also, like, the same thing, too, is, like, like you said, it is smart, like, brand-wise. But, honestly, it didn't really have as much to do with that as if I showed up to the game and different stuff and they lost, everyone would be like, you're such an idiot. Like, why would you do that? Like, Yeah, like fans? John Hamm when he shaved his beard. Everyone was like, yeah. bro, what were you thinking? I know, I know. I talked to him about it the other day, and I I forgive him now because they won, but that was kind of like... It was shocking. Because here's a guy who is so superstitious, just like you. He wears the same scarf, same hat. He, you know, I was with a bunch of media people when we were out after, I believe it was game four? Or no, excuse me, leading into game six. And he is very superstitious, was saying that he was at the same place with a group of us, had the same people go to the same bar that they did before the game that they won. So for him, who's a superstitious guy to shave the beard, I was shocked. I was floored that he did that. I know. I, yeah, I know. And obviously all forgiven now, but yeah, I had the same reaction. I was like, what are we doing, dude? Like, we're so close. So you close, know? man. So you couldn't be that guy. You had to go head to toe, same outfit every time. Well, and then the other thing, too, is like after I think the, yeah, it was after the Dallas series, there was so much board stuff going on that I was like, man, we got to make like a T-shirt, like something. So we went to make the shirt, and it was going to be a couple people sent me cartoons of, like, me holding them, and they're very cool. But, like, A, it felt weird sending, like, selling something. Like, I don't know, I just felt corny being like, here's a picture of me on a shirt. So, like, I I was like, it's so much funnier if it's about Boris and everything. So we were just going to have him be the, like, it was just going to be a, I thought it would be funny to have, like, a fat chinchilla sitting there. Like, because, you know. He has such a funny look about him. He's not like a vicious looking animal and all this, but he's it's so like when cute. he's beat, yeah, when he's beating your team, it makes it that much funnier when it's just this cute little fluff ball and he's like beating <laughs> you, you know? Right. So we kind of mixed two things. Like uh, I was like, how funny would it be if he was wearing my outfit? You know? So like after that point, it was like I was never going to not wear that because it was on the shirt. You know what I mean? It's Definitely. like at that point, it became part of the whole thing. And crazy story too, like. Man, I was at Wheelhouse, and uh, after game three of the Stanley Cup final, and they just got killed, and it was so bad. I wasn't even going to go out, but so many of my friends were in town. You remember that weekend was like a holiday. Everybody was there. It was like it was literally like um, the bragging rights game in St. Louis when everyone comes home for Christmas, from Christmas break, and you all get together. It was like that on steroids. Yeah, it was like the Super Bowl mixed with that. Like, And it was like, oh, my God. So I went out for a little bit. And I was sitting there, and I had my jacket sitting on this thing. And I, it was there, you know, whatever. And I was with so many friends, and it was a great time, all this stuff. And, like, I had seen it, and not five minutes later, I go to leave. And it was underneath other people's jackets. I mean, it was so hot. It, that's the thing, too. It's like June. I'm wearing, like, a winter jacket. Like, that, that same jacket I wore ice fishing in Wisconsin in, like, 
February. So it's like it's it was very hot. You know what I mean? And next thing you know, I look back, I can't find it, and I was like, oh my, I got so fucking mad. I was like ready to just kill someone because I was like, someone stole. You know, it's like more than just a jacket. It's like at that point, it's on the shirt. It's like lucky everything. Like and it's just like. Not like your brand, but it's like that was like a special thing to me at that point. I was like, I cannot believe this. So I stood outside Wheelhouse for like 10 minutes just staring in the crowd. You know, there's like a million people trying to get Ubers, whatever. And I'm like standing there and I was like, if I catch this fucking guy, like I'm going to kill him. You know what I mean? I was so mad. And I'm staring, staring, staring. Could not find it. I'm looking around and luckily Wheelhouse, like they were so nice and cool. They're like, we'll check the security. Like, you know, I mean, it was there five minutes ago. I'm like, it's it's a one of a kind, like random retro jacket. It's not like it's not like a shirt or something. Like we're gonna be able to see who stole it. And they were so helpful. Like, hey, like yeah, we'll work on it. And I was like, thank you. Like that made me feel a little better. But I was just still like, I'm like, even if we see who took it, it's never gonna get it back. So and this is in the middle of the Stanley Cup final. I'm like, how can we get this close and like lose it? So, anyways, I'm looking through the crowd and I was like scanning and finally like. We had to leave. Like it was like at some point you're like it's not there. And I was walking around, and we go back. You know, behind there, it's kind of like that deserted parking lot type thing, especially at two a.m. And I'm standing there by my car, and like the keys to the car were in the jacket. And I was like, oh my! I was so mad. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like now we're locked out. Like two a.m. Like what's my dad gonna come drive up an extra set? You know, like I'm using my sister's car and all stuff. So I see this kid walking with it and i was like oh my god like a kind of like relieved because it was like no fucking way and then after that i'm like i like i have to get it and there was six kids i remember and my buddy was actually going to the bathroom so it was two of us versus six and i go up and like he didn't really see me coming from the side and i just snatched it back and i was like what and like at this point i'm like a thinking we're gonna i wanted to kill the kid before but when it's you know one on six it's a little uh I'll admit I was a lot less motivated to like fight someone when it's one on six. And I was like, I was like, you piece of shit, whatever. But it's like, I'm not going to like keep talking shit that you're an idiot. If you do that, you know what I mean? So wait, did did he know who you were? Was he taking, did he know who you were? Was he taking the jacket because he's like, honestly, I don't know, but I assume they're like, I don't know. You sit, you see it sitting there. It's cool. Maybe he knows, like maybe he doesn't actually, you know what? I think one of the kids that was with him, like, bought me, like, a bottle or something earlier that night. Like, it's one of those weird things. Honestly, I think people are just, like, shit disturbed. I don't know how malicious it is. I think it's like, oh, shit, how funny would it be if we took that jack? Like, I don't even know. But to me, I was like, fuck. Like, you know what? I knew if I lost it, I'd regret it. So, like, I got it back. We got in the car. And, like, that was one of those things where it's like that, you know, now that they won the cup, it's like extra special, that jacket. It's like I, it's like a relic to me. You know, I'll, I'll keep that my whole life. It's like, what a memory. But it's like it was it was so close to being gone. Like, I, it was probably a 3% chance of being found at that point, you know? So that it's is like, so wild. It's kind of a crazy thing about that jacket now because not and then I'm in the parade, everything with it. It's like more recognizable. It's like you guys don't even know. It's like that thing was gone, you know? It was so close. So you're in the Stanley Cup final. As you mentioned, Barcel's taking you to every game. Obviously, uh, Prez, Dave Portnoy, the guy who hired you, huge Boston guy. So you're there cheering for your team, and you have to do so against your boss. So was that an uncomfortable situation? Were you able to talk shit to him the way you wanted to, or did you have to kind of be a little more demure than you would have liked to be? How did that play out? I mean, the the number one thing is 
That's why this entire playoffs has literally been like a movie because, you know, we played the Hurricanes or like, you know, like uh, some random Tampa or something. It's like it would have been insanely fun and, you know, the same you know type of feeling, Blues in the Stanley Cup final. But the fact that it was the Boston Bruins, you know, with all the St. Louis-Boston championship history, the Patriots, you know, Red Sox, the fact that it was like Barstool and my boss and everything, it's like it honestly felt like a script out of a movie. And the other thing is, like, nobody moves the needle more than Dave Fournoy on, on any subject. So, like, the fact that I was able to go up against him was an absolute, like, content dream because, A, he has, like, a million followers. Like, he's he's so, like, big time on all social media and things like that. Anything he does is going to be so enormous. So, you know, all of a sudden you're against him. It's like, you know when people, like, want to fight Conor McGregor or want to fight, like, Floyd Mayweather? If you're in that fight, you're going to be more famous and get more money than you would be versus anyone else. You know what I mean? Definitely, like, yep. Obviously, he's the A side of, like, you know, like, like if you fight Mayweather, you're going to make, like, $20 million. Like, that's just, like, a fact, even if he kills you. It's like, so I was like, okay, this is awesome. I can't believe, like, no matter what, I'll get my time in the ring with, like, the, the kingpin of the company. So that was good. When they lost game one, I'm like, oh, no, this may just be, you know, embarrassing. Everyone's just going to be shitting on me nonstop. As soon as it started, like, when they won game two, and I kind of was like, oh, my God, like, not not like I didn't believe, but it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, like, I'm a beat. It's like, you know what I mean? It's like it, it seems like he, he, you're never going to beat him, and then all of a sudden when you see that daylight, it's like, oh, my God, like, to be able to talk shit to this guy, you know, like, the hardest thing for me, honestly, and, and Dave is the best because he doesn't – he knows it's all content. Like, I can say anything as long as it's respectful. I'm not going to be, like, saying personal, you know, like, bad right. things. But, I mean, he gets it. He wants content. Like, when me and Pat did uh, the pizza review, which is, like, his thing, like, he I, – I, I haven't talked to him, but, like, he reposted and everything. I would think he loved that because it's, like, it's almost an homage to him. You know what I mean? It's, like, the fact that we took time with the Stanley Cup to, like, talk shit to him is, like, kind of actually, like, flattering. You know what I mean? And it was hilarious. Yeah, but it's, it's like it's not actually malicious. Everyone's like, oh, he's going to fire you. I'm like, Pat saying, like, fuck your pizza reviews is, like, the nicest thing he could have actually said. You know what I mean? Uh, there's no bad press, right? All press is good press. Yeah. yeah. So, like, everything with that, I would say the only thing was game seven, I wasn't originally going to be able to go because Dave and them had tickets and, like, some Bruins. Like, it was so sweet that was, like, really – you know, either high up Bruins, Celtics, something, and they were like, he's like, I'm not going to bring a Blues fan in the suite. You know, like, that, that's just awkward. You know, like, it's like nobody wants that. And at the end of the day, like, whatever happened, they, they were like, we have no other choice. You have to. He's like, don't, just don't be an asshole. And, like, you know, you just got to understand what's going on. So as that game is going on, you know, like, all of a sudden they steal that first pick. I mean, Boston fans are so mean and vicious, like, they were not – I honestly was like, I'm going to get killed by a Bruins fan. Like, if, yeah, if the I, Blues I'm hadn't you did scored – Yeah, the Blues didn't score that third goal and make it like – what was it, four to nothing at one point? Like, if it had been two to one or like a close thing, I would have gotten murdered. Like, that's a fact. The fact that like some people left and it kind of took the air out of the building helped me. If not, I will have gotten killed. That's a fact. Like, they were so – people screaming, throwing beers, like the meat, you know, craziest shit, like – any any Blues fans that went to Boston will know what I'm talking about. It was definitely, like, not a friendly environment. So that was, like, the only thing where, like, I couldn't really cheer as much then because, A, I don't give a fuck about cheering if the Blues are going to win. It's like, I just want them to win. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to be screaming in Bruins fans' faces to be happy. I'm happy because 
I, it's, I'm almost happier that I don't have to. It's like, look, we, I don't even have to mess with you guys because we just, you know, we'll just take the trophy and go back to St. Louis. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Well, and that's exactly what you did. So, you know, you're on this magical ride where all of a sudden you become this – Whenever I took this job here at ESPN, I'm not a reporter, I'm not an opinion person, and I'm the co-host of a radio show. And I remember saying to Randy Carricker, who's you know a legendary voice here in St. Louis, I'm like, I kind of don't know what my role is going to be here. And he goes, you're from St. Louis, you know St. Louis, you're a fan with access. And I feel like right. no one during this run has been a fan with access more than you. It's been so fun to watch you do this because you've had access to things that fans could only dream of. So the Blues win the Stanley Cup final. Unbelievable. People here are in St. Louis are still walking around in a daze. We can't believe it happens. And then right. what happens to you? You get on a plane, you come home, and you go out and party with the guys and the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, before that, even I was on the ice after game. That was crazy right away. Like, yeah, I was that's on right. The ice at TD Garden, like before. And that was one of those things, too, where it's like when you're in my position, like, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, like, you you got to come down after all stuff. But when it comes down to it, it's like, do you have a wristband and can't either, like, like it's much easier for people to be like, yeah, just come down with us, like, whatever. The NHL security was so freaking hard to, like, maneuver with. Like, they're so strict, and I guess that's a good thing. But so before game six, I was, like, talking to a few people, and, like, they're like, oh, yeah, like, I'm sure you can get down. Like, that's what everyone says. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you can get down, whatever. But it's like the game, I almost I need to write, like, a blog about, like, the game behind getting down to these things. Because it's like everyone wants to. Like, when I'm down there, I'm friends with a lot of the players, you know, players' wives, families, whatever. But, like, it's not like anyone doesn't want you there. But to be able to get there is, like, harder. Because if so, if you're, like, somebody's brother, they give you a wristband. You're like, oh, you're, like, Jaden's brother you just walk down if you're me it's like oh I'm the guy with like the rat I don't know like I know somebody's got like it's there's no access provided to you and like Barcelona it's not like we once again not really beloved by like mainstream media it's not like we're gonna get like a press pass right yeah and so you can't just be like the, oh Boris ever heard of him right like it's like you know it's one of those things where it's like I could have been on the ice like I, I know people everyone on there I was like I had a million friends but like, you can't tell an usher at TV. They don't give a shit. You know what I mean? They're like, do you have a wristband or not? I'm like, no. So we filmed something. I know I was going to – I was like, okay, film room told me he would help me out, whatever. But he goes – you know, it's his brother just won the Stanley Cup. He's walking down, and Dave's like, oh, we're going to film a, like, post-game rundown. I'm like, oh, fuck, you know? like, And I'm seeing the people I know walking out of the exit to go downstairs. I'm like, oh, man, this is bad, you know? So we filmed this, like, post-game rundown, whatever, and then I was like, I got to go, like, get on the ice, whatever. So I walked down, and no one I know is there, and I see them already on the ice, and I was like, oh, my God, like, fuck. You know, I was like, it wasn't a huge deal, but I was like, how cool would that be? And I knew it was possible, so I was like, I don't want to miss out, right? So then Phil saw me. Anthony actually, Pat's son, there's a video of it. He's like, oh, there's Ben, like, and then his dad's like, oh, where is he, like, and Phil came up and gave me a wristband out of the stands. They were trying to kick me out. They're like, everybody's got to leave the fans. And he gave me a wristband, and they, the guy behind the thing literally just lifted the glass up from the bench. And then, like, two seconds later, I was just on the ice walking around. I was like, what? Like, that was a surreal moment, too, where you're just like, you know, it's TD Garden. You're, like, looking around. It's like, they just won game seven. The cup is just, like, next to you. You're like, what is happening right now? Like, that's one of those, like, 
and the thing is too, like when you say a fan with access, like I try to think of like the coolest stuff too, where I'm like, if I was like, you know, like a Blue Jays fan and they won, like you'd want to be on the field. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm like, what is in my mind? I'm always like, what is the maximum, like coolest, funniest thing that you could do with this situation? I was like, Oh, it'd be hilarious. I was just on it. Like, you know, like I was like, this is like the ultimate thing. And I was also happy for my friends, like, Pat Bortuzzo, Edmondson, Barbara like there is genuine like I do genuinely it's not like I was just down there just to be there like an idiot, but it was like like I am happy for my friends, but I also know I'm like how crazy is this that I'm like on the ice, you know? It was nuts. So then we get back and I was talking to Pat and like Barbara said like the guys because I was like, man, we had been talking about it for like months. Like the, the craziest thing is like we had talked about putting boards in the cup, all this stuff, like it's not like something that just happened afterwards. Like I knew that. So like, you know, they were like, Hey, we're at this place, whatever. Like, I was like, Oh man, I'm on the way. So I get them. We went over with my friend is like me and this kid, Senzo and this kid, uh, or no. And then Jaden, who obviously, you know, and we go to this place and like, we walk upstairs and the cup's just sitting there. And I was like, Oh my God. Like, it was like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like you walk in, you're just like, Oh, that's it. Like, and, like, the thing that's funny is it was, like, this private party with, like, the players and, like, their families and everything. And it's, like, it's such a docile, like, you know, they're watching the Raptors game. Like, there's food out. It's, like, the Stanley Cup is just sitting on the ground. Like, it's so shiny. And so and we're just, like, what is happening right now? Like, in my brain, I'm just, like, it's just the most surreal thing of all time. It's like, that's the fucking Stanley Cup. Like, holy shit. It's, like, you can't even really process it in the moment. You know what I mean? You're just looking around and it's, like, it's a normal party. Everyone just sitting around talking, like, whatever. But it's like, wait, this team just won game seven, and that's the Stanley Cup. Like, it's a very surreal thing. And, I mean, it, to make it even more just complete fake life, like, all the guys are so nice about Boris and everything. Like, like Vlad, like, uh, Tarasenko comes up. He's like, he's like, oh, can I hold him? Like, all of a sudden, you're like, I mean, yeah, dude. Like, you can, like, take him. For, like, you know what I mean? It's like, what am I going to tell him? Like, no, like, Vlad, you can't touch my – you know what I mean? It's like – Dude, if you want to like kick me in the nuts and just take him, like yeah, it's fine. Like you just won the cup. Like I'm, we're all so thankful. You know what I mean? Oh, like this definitely. is like the craziest thing. So not on top of that, it's like they were so nice, they were so cool, and then we're like taking all these pictures and put. I mean, when I put him in the cup the first time, it was like it's just like there's no more like fake life thing of all time than my chinchilla who I got out of a New York pet store and lives in my apartment in New York just sitting there, like, pooping and eating Timothy Hay and, like, drinking water and just tearing stuff up. And you're like, what is going on right now? He's, like, hopping around the cup, and everyone's, like, laughing. It's like, uh, we have officially left Earth. You know what I mean? And it's not like, only that, when I saw the video of when Boris gets in the cup, he posed. He knew what was up. He's like, yeah, I did it. I'm in the cup. They all knew, and it was, it was one of those things, too, where, like, the prophecy, like, we I've been thinking about it. I think it was April, like, 15, like, after they won the first two games with Winnipeg, someone's like, oh, you got to put Boris in the cup if they win. It was like a joke, you know what I mean? It was like, I was like, oh, man, I'm like, it, it's just, it's hard to describe to people because you can't fully understand how long ago this was and how specifically we were talking about it. Like, my friend Robbie Fox here that sat next to me at our old office, we literally talked about, we're like, dude, imagine him in the cup. Like, we had the specific conversation in like early April, it was like, imagine that. And then it's happening and you're just like, there's no amount of like words or like, you know, emotion that can actually describe how crazy that is, you know?
Totally. All right, I have two more for you. So you're partying with the guys, you're partying with the cup. You're not only in that moment with them on the ice, then you're at the family and friends event, then I'm sure you were either at Wheelhouse or saw the videos from Wheelhouse. I mean Oh no, I was in I was in the mix. You were in the mix at Wheelhouse. Okay. So these guys are so fun to watch party. I mean, watching them on the parade route, just getting after it, was a sight. It's honestly like the best party I've ever been to or ever seen. So we post ever. ever. So we post this question on my show Monday, and I want to ask it to you because you are the guy that has been in the mix with them. Who is the best guy on the team to party with in the wake of winning the Stanley Cup? Oh man. I'm going to get in trouble for this because there's a lot of – it's like the con Smythe for the Blues this year. There's a lot of big contributors that I don't – you know, if you don't want to snub anyone, oh, man. You can go a lot of different ways, too, which is why it's such a great question. First of all, I always pick Pat because he's my boy, and it, I wouldn't be at any of those parties without Pat. So that's like – he's – like if nobody has vouched for me, nobody has, like, uh, helped me more than Pat Maroon, like, in that sense, like – Anytime before, like we, whenever we'd go out in the year or like, you know, in when they came here to New York, like anything like that, like Pat's the one who hooks me up, like, oh, come through all stuff. So I, all the guys that I've met and everything is from him. So I'm grateful for him. And he also was on autopilot for like four days, just absolutely obliterated. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, the rig gets so obliterated that it's almost not as, to me at least, he was just like nice and happy. But his his motor level when he's that hammered, it's not as high. You know what I mean? Like for the first bit, it's high, but then he's just so like, you know, he's just the big rig. He's sitting there, he's eating, he's hanging, like, you know. So I would say, man, I w- all right. I'm gonna go first pick. I'll, I'll give you like a, a top three. How top about you, yeah? Give me three stars, like they do at the end of the game. I would game. say okay. I don't know the order of them yet. I would say Fabs is definitely. You're not gonna make a list without him on there. I mean, high motor. He was doing the, like, stone-cold cheer, like, Chug just pouring beers on his face. Like, that's definitely, like, he he gives a, a very good effort. Fabry is, like, he's going to give you his all. You know what I mean? It's, like, he's happy, he's, like, he's friendly, and he's just getting obliterated doing funny stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to pick against him on that. I would say, um, so, yeah, he's definitely in there. Man, I would say Shen was actually, like, he was not as, I don't know, he's more reserved. Like, he's not going to be, like, doing as much dumb stuff. But he was definitely getting after it in a good mood. Oh, man, now we're getting down. I'm trying to think. I know there's going to be one. Oh, I'm try, I'm really trying to think. I mean, seeing Bennington let loose was, like, it's kind of a, a different set of, like, you know, guidelines because he's just so reserved normally that seeing him, like, doing – like, we put the cuffs on him. Like, we were making stuff like that. Like, that was very funny. You know what I mean? Oh, I followed Actually, him a little bit during the parade, and he was dancing with the high school band. He jumped on yeah. a mini scooter and, like, scooted away. He was having the time of his life. And it's funnier because he was normally so, like, calm in the, the rest of the run. So, like, it counts more. I actually i am going to go off the board here. I'm going to pick my friend, Billy Huso. The I don't know if, if you know that he's, like, he was a black ace. He was a goalie, an AHL goalie, but he was with the team for the last however much. This kid, I mean, I may never have loved someone more. He's this Finnish dude, this gigantic Finnish kid. He actually, I mean, I don't want to be snitching, but there's rumors that he missed a team picture. He was so <laughs> hammered. I don't want to confirm that. There's just rumors of that. But, Speculation. Uh, 
He in in the first night, I'm pretty sure, maybe two nights, Villa was the last one. Like we were watching the sunrise, like six a.m. Like, and he was like, "Man, like, what's wrong with all these guys? Why did everybody go to bed at six a.m.?" And like, you just can't replace that type of that type of heart. I mean, this guy was after it. I'm gonna have to go with my man Hoos. To be honest, he's just a he's an animal, and I I hope. I mean, Bennington's a stud, and hopefully, he's the Blues going for ten years, but. I mean, I just I'm rooting for Hoos. He's a good guy. He's one of those dudes that he wasn't there for any other reason than to just be happy with everyone and he's just like just a good dude. So that I'm gonna put him on the roster just like he was on the Stanley Cup roster. Like you may not have known it, but he definitely deserves his spot. That's what I'll say. Shocking selection. Wow. That's... Oh no, but trust me, there's it's it's a well deserved selection. He also was wearing his clothes from like three days before, like the same jacket that he like wore to the game. I mean, just an animal. The guy's just a, a complete uh, a beauty, as you might say back in the day. So he's he's my pick for the final slot. I respect the hell out of that. Okay, so last one for me, and. I don't really know how to phrase this, but leading into this interview on the podcast, I do kind of like a love letter to St. Louis. What the city has done during this run and just the joy that it's brought everyone. And St. Louis has gotten a pretty bad rep nationally the past couple years. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of it undeserved. Do we have our problems? Yes. But I think unless you're from here or live here, you don't really understand the true essence of St. Louis. And I think... All the good things about St. Louis have really been on display the past couple months. And, you know, you're in the Stanley Cup final. It's Boston versus St. Louis. Boston, you know, I don't want to say Barstool synonymous with Boston because obviously it's a huge global brand. But there's obviously a massive Barstool footprint. I think that's a fair thing to say. I think that's definitely fair to say. Yeah, it's, you know, they have a massive footprint. You you think Barstool, you certainly think Boston. So what's it been like for you to be the voice to showcase St. Louis to this huge audience during this run? I mean, it's, it's tough because you don't want to be, like, cheesy or corny, but honestly, it's been, like, the most special, like, cool thing in my life. Like, you know, growing up in St. Louis, obviously, you know, like, the Cardinals had a few big years and things like that, but other than that, it's like, Nelly, like, there's not a lot of times where you can really, like, point at and be like oh my god like we're really doing it on national scale like you know beating everybody and it was like this last two months felt like the entire city of st louis like like it makes it makes my like as dumb as it is but like when wheelhouse just packed out to the brim and like the boys are dancing around with cups like it just feels like vindication you know it's like oh like we do have something cool here and we do fight it's like a relief you know it's like we don't have to be like wishing or wanting or anything it's like look at what we did look at how cool all this is. Like we deserve stuff. And like, I don't know. It's just very like, it's like emotional, you know, it's like finally everything's like vindicated of like, look, we have this beautiful place with a, with a fun, like fan base and everything. And it was like, we don't have to be like making excuses anymore. There's no more like, well, we've been pretty good or made the playoffs a lot of years. It's like, it's about hockey, but it's also about like just the city, you know? And it's like ballpark village. Like when we did that Barcelona event at, ballpark village and there were so many people and i'm standing there like i mean i haven't even really put it into context yet because i'm still like coming off that high of like the championship but it's like it's one of the most special things i've ever been a part of in my entire life like yes it's lucky because like you know if the blues lost versus winnipeg none of this like you don't want to make the entire city's worth based off of like the hockey team winning because it's like we still had a good city before they won but just being able to showcase it on a national scale 
it's just so fucking cool, man. I don't know. It's it's hard to like find a lot of ways to put it into like words, but it, you just feel like everything that you've been thinking or wanting for a long time, you finally get to like have concrete proof. Like, look at this. St. Louis is awesome. We have cool, fun people that are nice and passionate and just want to have a good time. And now we just get to, and it's like, I, I don't know if I've ever been a part of something like this. It's just crazy. I thought Ryan O'Reilly summed it up best when he was on the stage after the parade when he said, you know what I learned about St. Louis? Great sports town, really nice people, and man, can they drink. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like finally, but now we got a reason to, you know what I mean? It's Definitely. Like, all right. Yeah, it's awesome, man. So, Ben, your story has been unbelievable. So many people in St. Louis and across the country, obviously, who weren't aware of you before. You went from dancing with your chinchilla in front of your couch in New York to on a float in the Blues Parade with Boris. It's been an unbelievable ride, and people are really endeared towards you, and they support you, and they want to know what's next for you. What can people anticipate from you next? How can they follow your next move? I mean, the the craziest thing is, I was supposed to. We were gonna put out Barcelona Doors. My, I have a fishing show coming out that's like about eight episodes right now. We're fishing for sharks, sturgeon, like we're catching gators, pythons, like all sorts of crazy stuff. And uh, that was supposed to come out in May before any of the stuff started. And we kind of delayed it because obviously everything was going so crazy with the blues and working so well that it was like I don't want to be promoting two things at once when like. You know, like, the blues thing was taken off so astronomically. I was like, I have to ride this as much as I can and focus on it. But that should be coming out within the next, like, three weeks because we were waiting on, you know. Uh, The other thing, too, is, like, the fact that they won, now I can release that and have people be nice versus if I hadn't, they would have been like, oh, Bruins own you. Like, you know, they would have definitely tried to, like, make everything I do about the blues losing. But luckily, we'll never know. But that, that that's like the biggest thing that I'm I'm working on right now. It's kind of my life's work as far as like, you know, my future. I want to be like a, a outdoors guy, like host, you know. And this is like my first attempt at creating a really quality show. I think it's good, and so that's coming out soon. That'll be the biggest thing. As far as like everything else, just social media, Twitter, Instagram, just at Young Pageviews. Um, I know it's a weird name. I hate having to spell it out at the time, but you know, it's Y O U N G. P-A-G-E views. I don't know. I'm tired of spelling. but So you can follow along on there, and that's like an easy way to connect and just see stuff day to day. And then also as far as my young son, Boris, a lot of questions about him, a lot of stuff like that. I think he's he has served us more than we've ever could imagine. He's a magic rat, and, and now I'm just trying to get him a bunch of chinchilla girlfriends, a big house, and let him just make little chinchillas and just kind of live out however he wants to live, you know, just kind of be a king. Now he's like a like a racehorse that won the Kentucky Derby or something. And, you know, I think and people want to know will Boris be there next year. I don't know yet. I would say no right now because I think he's he's been so magical. It's like I think he deserves, you know, he's, he's fulfilled anything I could have asked. But if I don't know how long these chinchilla babies are going to take, but there's a chance that we have magic rat babies that may be carrying on his legacy as far as the day-to-day duties from now on. That That is the plan right now. Boris is obviously a very handsome chinchilla. I did touch him when I saw you guys on the float. He's incredibly soft. He is very, in addition to the magic, obviously, he's got a great temperament. I'm sure you can charge an astronomical stud fee for Boris as he uh, makes these babies. I mean, at this point, it's like what... 
there's no chinchilla on the market that could <laughs> that could be more valuable. He's literally magical. Like it's crazy. You've cornered so, the market. Yes, you're totally right. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking too of selling them to like you know Browns fans or Mets fans, like any fan base that's like you know suffering. And I'm gonna start selling like championship magic chinchilla babies. And I don't know. Hopefully, it just works for the Blues. But the other thing too is people have been saying if they're you know in the mix next year for another cut. I mean, yeah, it would be. I don't know. I don't want to blow the surprise, but he could come out of retirement if the moment was right. You know, and I think that would that would be quite a moment if it's like, you know, like game six of the first round, Boris just comes out of nowhere. and it, I mean, that would give people a boost, I would think. But I don't know. I, I think at the same time, it's like you don't want to, like, burn something out that it's like, man, he was magic. I want to just give him – he gave me everything I could have wanted, and you can't go back on the deal, you know? Absolutely. That's what we said about Gloria. You know, we said it was so special and singular for this season. Let's just let it lie. And then my suggestion was you play it after the first game, if they win, obviously, or maybe intro the first game to celebrate the championship. And then I think it could be something cool if they win – postseason games, playoff games moving forward, you play it then. But other than that, let it lie. So I feel like Boris has earned his chinchilla retirement. And if he wants to come out during postseason games moving forward, everyone in St. Louis would be pumped to have him. Agreed. Agreed. Or it's like if one of his sons wanted to, it'd be like, <laughs> oh, okay, that's like way more fair game in the sense of like, you know, that that's like just a new era. But I agree with you on the Gloria thing too, where it's like this whole thing, like, you know, Blues fans know, like, this was such a once-in-a-lifetime amazing thing. It's like some stuff's got to just, like, be with where it was, you know? Like, it's like that was just history, and it was frozen, and it should maybe just stay like that. Now, if they're going back-to-back, I'll bring that rat out as much as we You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, then it's like, Boris, we got to ride you. You know what I mean? It's like we'll just keep riding him. But I don't know. He's a beautiful rat. I'm thankful for him. He's he's so – He's in such good care. People try to always act like he's stressed. He's fine. He's he's the best rat in the world. He's getting taken care of like a king, and he is a king. So I'm just shout out to him at the end of the day. Shout out to Boris. Can confirm. Saw him on the float. Saw him after the parade. He is in good hands with you. Ben, this was so fun. I loved talking to you. We loved following along with you during this Blues run. And honestly, I guess we should say thank you because whether it was Boris or whether it was your clothes and not watching them or dancing to glory afterwards— Everyone here in St. Louis is superstitious, and we really appreciate your commitment and just the juju you put into the universe to help the Blues bring home the cup. Listen, I'll accept it on behalf of Boris, and that, you know, I'm just thankful for him because at the end of the day, with no magic rat, we got no, you know, no nothing else. So, but yeah, I mean, it's it's been the most fun thing, and I it really just, like, makes me love the city even more because, like, you know, any city could, could win a cup, and it is what it is, but we really, I feel like, captured the moment in the sense that everyone there was just so like the way that it happened everything was just so freaking beautiful that it just it was a shining moment i'm just very proud of it for everybody liquid spirits is a small st louis family owned and operated business bill is a full-time firefighter john has been in the restaurant industry for over 20 years and together with their wives they decided that they wanted to do what they love most help people throw parties they decided you know what we're going to leave the food to the professionals we want to focus on the fun part because let's be honest no good story ever started with the salad so check out liquid spirits follow them on facebook at liquid spirits stl mention small talk our podcast small talk when booking select packages and you could get your fifth hour for free. 
We're not going to do any reviews this week because Tom is out of town, but head to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, leave us a review. We're going to read them, of course, next week at the end of the pod like we always do. But until then, screw you, Boston. Thanks for listening to Small Talk. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Podcast One app.